0: Amen. In my message this morning, I have a simple question for you that I want you to ponder and wrestle with and think about and take with you through this coming week. The question is on the board here. What about Ishmael? What about Ishmael? The stories of Genesis, the words that we read, are a sacred text for three major religions in the world. You all know that, right? The Jewish people say, I read this, and they say, Isaac, he's the child of promise. He's the middle one of our patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We are the chosen people because God chose Isaac and not Ishmael. Islam also takes this as a sacred text. And it points to uh, to Ishmael. And truly, I would love to sit down with an imam, uh, an Islamic holy man, pastor, and study this text. Wouldn't it be fascinating to see what he would say about it? And, of course, Christianity, which we represent. And we also are immediately attracted to Isaac. And we say, yes, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, they were the, uh, Jacob was the the, uh, father of the tribes, and in Christ we are the new Israel. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob are our forefathers as well. And all of the promises, all of the covenant promises that went to Isaac, they find their yes in Jesus Christ, and we are in the new covenant uh, through his shed blood, and we look at that in the Lord's table, and, and we identify with Isaac. And of course we should. I'm not denying any of that. I'm just simply asking the question. But what about Ishmael? Why did God give all of these stories about this, the first child We did some emails this week on this, uh, this whole thing. David and, Dave and Dyke sent me an email. He's like, "He God, He gets it." I mean, it was so cool. The firstborn is circumcised, but he's not the child of the promise. Isn't that strange? He's the one that should be the child of the promise. So what about him? Now, many Christians, when they deal with Ishmael, they point to two different verses. They like to look at 16 verse 12, Genesis 16 verse 12. And there we read that Ishmael will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him and he will live in hostility against his neighbors. And in chapter 22 verse 20 we read that Ishmael lived in the desert and he became an archer. And so many Christians say, See, that's where the Middle East problem began. And it's never going to end because Ishmael was a wild donkey of a man. Well, I'm not so sure that's what God wanted us to take out of these stories. I'm just not sure that that's what this is about. I think the key... I think the key is in his name, Ishmael. It is a name that God himself gave to this child. The narrative sounds like a Christmas story. It sounds like those stories we hear all the time during Advent about an angel comes and says you're going to have a baby and you should name the baby this. Genesis 16 verse 11. The angel of the Lord says to Hagar, you shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. And the name Ishmael means God hears. God hears. Hagar replies, God names her son, so she names God. Verse 13, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the... God who sees me for she says I have now seen the one who sees me. God hears. God sees. We come to chapter 21 we have that same theme once again. Hagar leaves her boy out in the desert the water and the little thing is uh, run out and they're thirsty and they're dying of, uh, of uh, thirst. And So she leaves her boy under a, a bush because she cannot bear to watch her son die. She goes away and the angel of the Lord calls to Hagar, verse 17 of chapter 21, calls to Hagar from heaven and says to her, what is the matter Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy, God hears, has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Isaac is a child of promise. Ishmael is the child that has been disenfranchised. He is the one that's been passed over. He is the one that has been driven out. He is the one who is now a refugee in the desert. And What does the Bible teach us about Ishmael? God sees and God hears the cry of Ishmael and Hagar. Even though they're not the children of promise, God sees, and God hears, and God cares. Do you get it? Do you hear where I went with that? This is yes, this is no. Did you get it? because I think we need to get it as Christians. I think as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, as people of the covenant, as people of the new covenant, as people who have an amazing inheritance through the blood of Jesus Christ that we sang about, I think we need always to remember Ishmael. We need to remember the one who did not share in the covenant promises. We need to remember the one who has been driven out. Because, you see, God has a heart for Ishmael as well. The story ends with these words. Did you catch it? Genesis 21, verse 20. God was with the boy as he grew up and he made a great nation of him. God saw, and God heard, and God is with Ishmael. And we need to know that. My friends, I am absolutely convinced that God cares for and loves the disenfranchised, the refugee, the one who has been driven out, the one who's no longer living under the promise, no longer living in the promised land. God cares for Ishmael. Am I right? Is that what the Bible teaches us? If I'm wrong, tell me, because then we won't go any further. Because if I'm wrong here, then the application's not going to work. Right? Did you know, according to the United Nations General Secretary, in 2013, in the year 2013, there were 232 million people who live in a nation other than the one in which they were born. 232 million people. Now, how many people live in Grand Rapids? 400,000? Not very many, right? Compared to 232 million. I live in Tokyo, metropolitan Tokyo. 37 million people. Seven or eight times Tokyo. The number of people that live in a country other than the one in which they were born. Turns out that's one-third of the population of the United States live in a nation other than the one in which they were born. Now, I'm one of those people, and my wife's another one of those. We live in Japan. We were born in America. We do so sort of by choice. I mean, there's a military order in there, but I could resign from the military. I could live in America if I so choose. But it is in my best interest economically and a whole lot of other ways for me to continue to live there, if I do, though, for six more months, I get a pension, and that's really a cool thing. So I choose to do that, and then I'm coming back. Right? Ninety percent of them live in a foreign country not by choice. Ninety percent. Now, this was uh, 2013 numbers. Anybody know what has been going on in the world since 2013, the last two years? What's been going on? Syria. Syria. ISIS. Anybody hear what's going on in Europe? Over the Mediterranean? You know how many people are crossing the Mediterranean into Europe, and Europe is fighting over how many of these people can we take? Canada's fighting over, hey, you know, we open ourselves to refugees, but just a minute here. United States, this is not a political sermon, okay, but we struggle with borders, right? I'm not taking a position on that, but the reality is it's gone up. In fact, they're saying one in eight people today in the world lives in a country other than the one in which they were born. 90% not by choice economic or political refugees. What does that tell you? That tells me there are a whole lot of Ishmaels out there. There's a whole lot of Ishmaels out there and a lot of them look like Ishmael. They have Arab kind of coverings, or they speak languages that we don't understand or a whole lot of things that we may not be comfortable with them they might be Hindu they might be Islamic does God love those people does God love those people I'd suggest to you that he does 10 years ago there were 138 139 international churches in the world an international church we happen to attend uh, attend one uh, in Tokyo Tokyo Union Church I hate to tell you but I'm an elder there but I'm only an associate pastor you know I'm still Christian reform but uh, anybody know uh, John and Judy Bosco anybody remember them they go to church with us too in Tokyo Union Church okay he's with Amway and stationed over there Uh, I sit here and he sits Two ahead on the other side. Okay. You know how it is in church. You have your... 138 of those churches 10 years ago. Tokyo and the American church in, uh, in uh, uh, Paris were the, uh, the sort of the flagship churches of Union churches. And uh, a Union church is an English-speaking church in a non-English-speaking country. 138 of them 10 years ago. Today, there's a 1,000 of them. There's a 1,000 of them because so many people are living in countries other than the one in which they were born. And 10 years ago, these were churches for what we call expats, people like Robin and I, you know, middle-class people like the Voskals who get over there because the company sends them there and they're coming back. That's not true today. God is doing this incredible movement in international churches. They have a conference once a year in April. This last year, they pointed out, there are three common elements of an international church. They do all their work in English. English is a common language. We have 30, member, 30 nationalities represented in Tokyo Union Church. English is second language for many of them, but our common language is English. Number two, they're interdenominational or non denominational. I'm still Christian Reformed, but that's not Christian Reformed Church. Okay? And number three, their whole attitude is we are here to serve, not to convert. We're here to serve, not to convert. What happens in a place like Djibouti when you as a Christian church go to the government and say, an Islamic government, and say, we are here to serve, not to convert? What do you think happens? The church in Djibouti has split into four churches. The church in Hanoi, communist Hanoi, a thousand members, were here to serve not to convert. We're here to reach the Ishmaelites. There's a reason why I'm telling you all this. Um, By the grace of God, or non-grace of God, or whatever, the will of the United States Navy, I will be retiring at the end of this year. Anybody going to be in Tokyo in December? You're welcome to, ah, you're welcome to my retirement. December 4, Yokosuka, Japan, please come to my retirement. I don't seem that old, right? Okay, bear with me. No, Doug, you're not old at all. And I'm asking God, okay, now I got, Retirement. I'm still a pastor. I get pension. What are you looking for? And it's been clear God wants us to move back to Western Michigan. Uh, we have family needs. Um, need to reconnect with my roots. I need to figure out if I'm Christian Reformed or not. Um, those kinds of things. But there's three issues that I have with Michigan. You know what the three issues I have with Michigan are? january february and march (laughs) and uh... there's a church in bali an international church in bali australia okay this is a call of god i know it sounds really cool (laughs) but we are looking at uh, serving there uh, over the winter months Um, an international church made up of people from europe australia We've also, uh, Heather and I went to Timothy Leadership Training this past month. I have been certified as a basic trainer. We're going to be taking Timothy Leadership Training to Sumba, which is the next island over, uh, into the Reformed Church of uh, Indonesia, which was a church started by the Dutch church. And uh, they have 70 preaching posts and only 20 pastors They need leadership down there. Uh, for their church as it's growing, and we're going to get involved in that, uh, friends. I uh, I ask for your prayers. Uh, I I apologize to the council. I truly apologize to the council. I asked to be on your agenda to tell you all this stuff, and then I totally forgot that I was supposed to come here, weddings and vacations and all these plans. So please forgive me. Uh, we're in the forgiveness business, right? In Jesus, we do that here. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I am terrified transitioning back to the U.S. Okay, I've lived in Japan seven years, five years, seven of my 20. Um, Culture shock. Things are different here than I'm used to. Okay, people act differently than they used to. Um, Transitioning out of the military into civilian, so I have to dress like this. Um, Civilian people do things differently. And... uh, transitioning into West Michigan. West Michigan's kind of its own unique place. We'll just leave it there. Uh, Please be in prayer for us as we look towards that transition. Uh, That's a big thing for us. Um, And then God's leading in our future ministry. But this sermon is only partly about me. It's about me because you're my calling church. And I must report to the church, even as Paul did in Acts, what he's been doing, what God's been doing through him but it's also a challenge for this church. I have come here every year, and you people have always been so kind to me. You say, Doug, you come here, and you you, you just encourage us so much, and, well, you know, party's over. I'm not going to encourage you anymore. I'm going to challenge you. Creston Church, what about Ishmael? Now, God is really kind of That's fascinating, isn't he? I I, I did not see, uh, Ken Ken sent me the bulletin, or somebody sent me the bulletin, and I didn't read it until this morning, where I read, Creston welcomes refugees. Is there a connection here? Anybody see a connection? This is not intentional on my part. If you are interested in partnering with Creston members of Bethany services and so on and so forth, okay. And I understand some of you are going to talk about, uh, you're going to get together and talk about ministry in this, uh, in this community. My friends, this community's changing. This community's changing. Pastor Sean showed me that you're going to get some high rise, high end condos coming in here. I'm really glad you don't have a drug house there anymore. But you know what? The rent's going up. Because there's something called the medical mile. You heard about that? They told me about that. Is that right? And you're like very convenient to that in a place called Grand Valley, and you're kind of convenient to that. Your neighborhood's changing. It's called regentrification, gentrification And I hope you're part of that. And I truly do believe that Creston Church has been here 100 years and God has done amazing things on his corner for 100 years and I hope you continue to follow kingdom principles over the next 100 years and you don't get bought out by those who can pay for it. What about Ishmael? How many people in this neighborhood were born in a country other than the United States? Have you ever asked the neighbors that? Could be a fascinating question. My friends, one out of eight people lives in a country other than the one they were born in. Some of them, I think, are showing up here. We call them Ishmael. God sees and God hears, hears Ishmael. And he blessed him. My question, Creston Church, is simply this. What about Ishmael? Amen.